Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. Uh, Praise His name. What a blessing and a joy to be together at the end of March break. And I'm sorry about tomorrow for some of you. But if you're looking forward to it, I'm just excited for you. Yes, I am. Well, amen. Today... Let me begin uh, the message by saying one of the marks of healthy community is unity. And we've sung some uh, this morning about unity. And that's the focus this morning as we come to the phrase, be at peace with one another, or be at harmony with one another, or be in unity with one another. Psalm 133 begins, verse 1 with the words, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live in unity. Amen? When there's disunity and unhealthy conflict, like what is happening currently now between me and my iPad. It's not a good thing. Am I loaded up there? Okay, then it's... uh, When there is disunity and unhealthy conflict among people, it can be a painful witness to the greater community. Have you ever seen that? Whether it's the church or whatever it is, when you know that there's some rancor and there is significant conflict and disunity going on, people know about it. And people are watching the church, and so when it happens in the church, uh, it's not a great testimony to the community. But as with the early church... When we are characterized by Christ's love and unity in Him, the witness can be powerful and magnetic. So what is is unity really? Besides the one dictionary definition which reads, Unity is the state of being united. It's just like, that was written by Captain Obvious. Unfortunately for some leaders... Harmony and peace, and and the idea of team. Often we we talk about being team. And unfortunately for some leaders, harmony and team are really about everybody else agreeing with the leader. So if you agree with me, and and you, you compliment me, and you stroke me, and you do what I tell you to do, and you agree with me, then there's harmony and there's peace. And we're working as a team. But at the other end of the spectrum, there are many really who have the idea that harmony and peace exist when there's no outward evidence of conflict or disagreement, regardless of what might be going on under the surface. And I would suggest that neither is true harmony or peace or unity. Would you agree? And it's constant work. It's not as though unity gets arrived at and we've reached some sort of utopia never to be concerned about ever having to work toward it again, because it's a constant effort. I think unity seems easier to achieve when it has to do with opposing someone or something, you know? Uh, Sometimes it's a lot easier for people to rally together 
and to support against. Now, sometimes for bad reasons, sometimes for good. I can think of a good reason. For example, countries that typically don't get along have rallied together over the last number of years against ISIS. But now that ISIS has been weakened, what you realize is that it seems to be an almost impossible task for those same countries that didn't get along together to now actually get along together. There was unity against something. But when it came for them to be united for something together, all bets are off. And everything changes and they're back to disliking each other. Uh, Unity takes work. It's not easy because it's it's about people like you and me. It's about imperfect people working together. But I believe that under Jesus... There can be beautiful harmony as people follow Him and the Father and the Holy Spirit and love and respect one another. Unity is not about uniformity. Unity is not about everybody looking or sounding or doing or being or smelling the same, right? Instead, just like in music, good harmony often has healthy tension. And then that healthy tension gets resolved. And that's like the way relationships should be. There should be good tension. There should be good conflict. There should be healthy discussion, even disagreement, so that we can move toward a resolution. As I've prayed and reflected about peace and harmony and unity, I believe it has a lot to do with having focus on what our purpose and priorities are. People say, how do you get united? And unity unity usually happens around a cause, or around a purpose. And I would suggest that when churches struggle with unity, it often has to do with the fact that people have agendas. They might be good agendas, they might be bad agendas, they might be selfish agendas, and they might not be selfish agendas. But what happens is that when our focus is not together united on what we should be united and prioritizing, which begins with Jesus and following Jesus, and we get our eyes off of Jesus, then things will almost undoubtedly become fractured. In his book, Lasting Impact, Pastor Kerry Newhoff asks this question, and we'll ask it again later. Is our sense of mission... White hot. That just really stuck with me uh, when I read that a couple of years ago. And, and we read it again recently. One of the books that we've read as leaders here. Is our sense of mission white hot? Is it really clear? Is it really clear before me? This is what God has called me to. And this is what I am living for. We all have our priorities. We all have our emphases. We all have our preferences. And often enough, what we tend to prioritize and what we tend to really love uh, can become a sticking point when other people don't prioritize it to the same extent that we do. You ever run into that? I remember actually, uh, for example, in the church, I remember somebody confronting another person and very, very upset. Why don't you ever come to prayer meeting? 
And I was actually, it wasn't to me, but I was actually very embarrassed and almost horrified because I knew that the person who was being asked actually worked at the time of prayer meeting. So there was a real passion for something good, something absolutely essential, something that my heart beats after, which is prayer. But there was a using of that priority and passion to judge somebody else because of an event, not because of the actual activity of prayer. So we need to be careful, don't we? Think about the work environment. Imagine you work at a hospital, which a number of people here have. Oh, and by the way, next week we have a special uh, speaker. We're going to have a special testimony. Um, Terry Lease, who's part of WCMC, is going to share. He's worked at the hospital uh, last number of years. And we've asked him to share next week about what God has been doing and teaching him and his family lately. So you don't want to miss that next week. And thank you so much, Rick. I'm back online. Thank you very much. <laughs> back to the, the illustration about a hospital. Imagine you work at a hospital or some other workplace, and it has been announced that there are going to be some major cutbacks. Just speaking hypothetically. <laughs> no, I want to be relevant, because uh, unfortunately this is, is not hypothetical, because this is happening. And, and it's hard. And it's painful. So suppose that, that, that you're in that situation, and you're the manager of a department. And they're coming to you, and they're, and they're saying, we need to make some cutbacks, and we're deciding where they're going to be, and you need to make a case why we shouldn't uh, bring the cutbacks into your department. So if your manager, say, of physicians, the manager of physicians might say, you can't touch physicians because we do the final examining and we do the prescribing of medication. You can't cut back on us. We're absolutely essential. The manager of the nurses might say, nurses are the frontline workers who give the care. You can't cut back on nurses, on, on nurses, on nurses. Because it couldn't get any worse. <laughs> food services might say, you can't cut back on food services because nutrition is essential. And, and people need to eat. And they need to eat on time. Shipping and receiving might say, try surviving without supplies being distributed. Administration might say, good luck getting anything done without data input and, and without paperwork. And the head of volunteers might say, you'll be hooped if you don't have our volunteers coordinated and trained. And they're all right, aren't they? I mean, they're all correct. All of those things are essential. And, I sure, and, and I'm sure that they don't want to be pitted against each other. And I'm sure that wasn't the way it was done. They wouldn't be brought in a room and say, all right, you guys, go at it. Whoever's left standing, those are the ones we won't cut back on. In the church... There are some people who are passionate about music. There are some people who are passionate about prayer. There are some people who are passionate about the preaching of God's word. There are some people who are passionate about ministry to different groups of people, whether it's children or, or youth or young adults or seniors or families or, or marrieds or singles, families of all shapes and sizes. Some people are passionate about local missions. Some people are passionate about global missions. Some people are passionate about study, the library, Christian education, life groups. Some are passionate about, about tech. And some unusual people are even passionate about policy and administration. And so we say, God bless you, Chris Rutledge. And Susan Davidson, who was up here earlier. 
Some people are passionate about the miraculous spiritual gifts like healing. Some people are passionate about the quieter spiritual gifts like mercy, and, and, and on and on it goes. And the reason I put check marks up there instead of words uh, was because I didn't want you to look and say, oh yeah, he missed mine. Yep, mm-hmm, yep. I didn't want you to see that as well as hearing it. There is so much ministry to be passionate about. Amen? And, and I encourage you to be passionate about the ministry that fits your gifting and skills and abilities. What God has wired you for and what God has called you into in his ministry. And we need to be careful that in our passion that we not expect everybody else to have the exact same level of passion and engagement for what God has filled and gifted us about. Now that doesn't excuse us from the things that we ought to be doing, right? But we need to be very careful about what we do with what we've been given and how we view others when they have been given different things. Instead, we recognize the importance of all of God's ministry recognizing that some things are unmistakably important and necessary for all of us, like key doctrinal points, like key spiritual disciplines, like having a high view of Scripture, like godly behavior and following God's Word. It's all a careful balance. And our unity comes with that shared sense of white-hot mission, which is that together we have been called to help each other, to be making disciples, and to be helping people who have not yet come to know Jesus. As we love God by continually growing spiritually, as we love people by authentically connecting with other believers, and as we go out and we serve the world by intentionally engaging them, by going to them, by sharing with people the great news of Jesus. This morning we'll visit some verses in the New Testament from the book of Romans. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Sixth book. We're going to consider some of what in this passage informs unity or peace or harmony. And we'll also see how there's just, in this passage, how there's just a natural overlapping of all of the one another's that we have been talking about. And there are two more weeks yet of one another's. Pray for one another. Submit to one another. Spur on one another. Uh, be in unity one with another. And next week, teaching one another. And the, the final week will be, will be loving one another. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 9. And the text, uh, feel free to join me there. The text is on the screen. Verses 9 to 11. Why don't you, you read this with me? Let's read together. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. We're called to a love that is genuine and active. Literally, it's love without hypocrisy, not faking love, but genuine love. And so when it's hard to love, we need to call on God to give us that newness and that change of mind and that strength to love as Christ loved us, who he doesn't have to love, but he chose to love us even while we were enemies of his. Love is foundational to healthy community and that's why I've left it to be the last uh, one another that we'll talk about in two weeks. In John 13, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, 
That you love one another. That wasn't the new commandment because we're supposed to love one another. The new commandment was that you love one another as I have loved you, which is with an unmistakably sacrificial love. And as we love that way, we will stick together, won't we? We will just stick together. Verse 10 echoes of submitting to one another. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another, even above yourselves. Philippians 2, verse 3, Paul wrote to the Philippians that we would have, like Jesus, we would have the same mind of Christ, that we would treat others even greater than ourselves. And then verse 11, of all the things to be fervent or passionate about, Apostle Paul says here to make sure that the Spirit is one of those things. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. And that comes from our relationship with the Holy Spirit. I believe he's referring directly to the Holy Spirit there. Because God is passionate about you. Amen? And maybe you need to hear and receive that today, that God is passionate about you. And so our... Our call to be passionate about Him is not meant to be drudgery. It's not meant to be, oh yeah, that's right, i got to be passionate about God. Woo! It's because God is passionate about you and me. God loves us desperately. And praise His name for that. We're united as His children with the last name of God, child. To represent him, united here in the world, to love and to serve, to be and to do. You know, many churches have lost their spiritual fervor. Uh, many churches have lost their, they've lost their direction, they've lost their way, they've lost their, they've lost their joy, they've lost their excitement, they've lost their passion, they've lost their spiritual fervor. We hear so many churches closing. And in many cases, not all of them, but in many cases, the focus on Jesus being at the center has long been lost. And I'm sorry to say that when that's... The, well, I'm not, well, I am sorry to say. I'm sorry to say that has happened. And then when that has happened, I, it's not surprising then that churches will close. Because when we have lost something to truly believe in, then we've lost our spiritual alignment. And we've certainly lost our blessing. As Paul wrote in his second letter to Timothy, there is often a form of godliness, but it denies God's power. And it even shuts out the spirit and says, no, we don't do that here. I've heard those very words spoken. No, we don't do that here. Just let's keep things under control. I want to keep things under control, but I don't want to try to control the Holy Spirit. You know, I want to exercise self-control because that's a gift of the Spirit. But whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do, I want to let Him do. And I don't want to get in the way of that. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, 
but be willing to associate with people of low position. And do not be conceited. This is verses 14 to 16. As Jesus taught in Matthew 5.44, he taught us to love our enemies and to pray for them. And Paul, Paul actually wrote about his own example. And he said, we work hard with our own hands. In 1 Corinthians 4, verses 12 to 13. He said, we work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world right up to this moment. But that would not stop him from choosing to bless people. Identifying with other people is a privilege and is at the heart of ministry and in the uniting of spirits as we celebrate together and as we grieve together. And I just thank you and I encourage you. When I, when I see the outpouring of emotion, when there is a need, and this church pours it out, and let's continue to do that. We've seen, unfortunately, in the news this week, a major news story about wealthy people paying tens of thousands of dollars even hundreds of thousands of dollars, no, even millions of dollars in order for bribes to be paid so that their children could get into elite universities in the U.S. And it's an extreme example of favoritism, but you know what? We need to be very careful. When we see extreme examples of things like this, they are just extreme examples of things that we are just as easily tempted toward in our own lives, that we would show favoritism and we would look the other way from people who are in need. May our hearts melt as Jesus' heart melt when he came and he saw people in need. Let me go back to verses 12 and 13. I missed them on the slide. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. We can't miss these. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Be joyful in hope. Be joyful in our anticipation that God is with us every moment of the way. Joyful in anticipation that He is at work. He's got this. And He will continue to be at work. And He is with us and among us and present. And He is alive and victorious. Praise His name. May we be patient, enduring, because affliction is inevitable. And even those verses that we heard from Peter today that that Susan read from the rectors, to say that this is just a short time that God calls us into affliction and suffering, or allows affliction and suffering, in order that his name may be glorified by our testimony, and that he will show his glory. May we be faithful in prayer, regular prayer, praying with and for one another. We see, we see in this passage, praying for one another, submitting to one another. Our relationships, that we would be united, forgiving one another, spurring one another on, being united together. They're just, they're just all together here. We see them. And may we be generous and inviting. Maybe we be the kinds of neighbors that Jesus would have been if he had been living in our neighborhood. He would have been outside hanging out with the neighbors, uh, looking for people to help, looking for people to encourage, 
looking for people to serve. And then we go to the last two verses. Do not repay anyone for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Now you read that. When I read that, my eyes kind of bug out. Do not repay anyone for evil for evil. That's okay. But be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. (laughs) You ever tried to do that? The word right is, is well translated noble or honorable. And so the idea is that there is a general standard, even in the world, of what is good and what is right, and what is acceptable and what is not. And so God calls us to live lives that are above reproach, and that we would even, we would even live lives that, that avoid an appearance of evil. Because the moral standards of the gospel are high. And that is a point of unity. That the example to the world is as salt and light. That we don't live moral lives in order to be self-righteous. That we don't live moral lives just because we have to. But because that shines Jesus' light. And there is joy in following God. And there is joy in following His ways. So who doesn't want harmony and peace and unity. I think of harmony, I think harmony like a great mass choir singing eight-part harmony in a great cathedral. That kind of harmony just melts the heart. Peace like a safe neighborhood or a building that you live in where all the neighbors care for each other and look out for each other. Unity like a healthy church whose people are together in their focus on meaningful relationships, growing continually in God, connecting authentically with other believers, engaging people with the good news of Jesus. One commentator wrote, Strife is resolved and peace is restored when we recognize in one another a common commitment to Jesus and to the gospel. I wonder this morning if you would be willing to make or to renew a pledge with me. Maybe it's a pledge that you made as a a member if you're a member of this church or maybe it's a pledge that you've made or a commitment that you've made along the way. I've served a half dozen different churches as a, as a transitional pastor. And I have seen and I have been told of plenty of accounts of churches in disunity for all kinds of reasons. My mother, um, one of the reasons why I have so much respect for my mother and for her, her walk with the Lord is that she's been part of the church for many years. And that church has gone through some rough times and some rough waters. And a lot of people have left. Some have come back. Some have left for good reason. Some have left for, yeah, other reasons. And my mother, God bless her for the example she has set for me. She has just stayed put and said, you know what, this is my church. I mean, it's not her church. But she said, this is the church that I'm part of. 
and I love it, and I love the people. And I am not, I'm not going to run down people who have left churches. But what I'm saying is, what we need to focus on is what is it that unites us? And what it is that needs to unite us is that we have a very clear, white-hot purpose and mission. We have an understanding of why God has called us so that we can link arms together and we can go forward together and continue to go forward together and say, this is what God has called us to. So that even all of the ministries of the church are looking toward that purpose and that aim. Doesn't that sound great? Doesn't that sound like what God has called the church to? So that churches don't get divided over ridiculous things like decorating. Over ridiculous things in one church, there was a meeting of a, of a property committee and they, they, they were meeting together about building a storage area within the building. They were just gonna. They were just gonna build like a like a little shed inside. They could do some storage. And 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 so the meeting was had, and they made the decision. Yeah, we're gonna put it in this particular place. Everybody agreed. And then after the meeting came the meeting after the meeting. You ever heard of those? When the one guy who didn't want the shed and never said anything in the meeting went and sought out somebody who was not on the committee that he knew wouldn't want the shed and that he knew had a lot of influence in the church. Say, hey, you know, you heard that uh, they're going to put a shed at that spot there? Oh, I, no, they're not. Are they? No, over my dead body there. And that body is not dead. So it never happened. And the whole thing, six months later, when I arrived at that church to be the transitional pastor, it was six months after that. And this decision that had actually been made at the board level and approved still had, it had been hamstrung because somebody was so ticked off about the building of a storage facility. I want to be so committed in the church that we never find disunity based on silly, ridiculous things like that. But if the name of Jesus is sullied, if the things that are essential to our faith are broken, then we better stand up. Amen? If the Holy Spirit is being quenched, we better say something. And we always need to be careful how we say it. I think of the church like a puzzle. And when churches begin to fracture, it's like taking a taking a puzzle of several hundred pieces, however many people there might be in, in a given church. And more and more of the pieces, as the church get fractured, more and more of the pieces start to get pulled, pulled apart, and they get flipped over, and they get messed up, and they get damaged. And more and more, as the picture comes apart, the picture is less and less distinguishable, less and less recognizable. And so too, that is what exactly what can happen to a church. Because we lose sight of what the picture is really supposed to be. And here is the, here's the commitment. It's very simple. And, and, and you don't have to come forward and, and, and put up your hand. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not asking, I'm not going to say, if you believe in this, you stand. Well, I mean, everybody's going to stand. Because I don't want to guilt you. I want this to be from your heart, though. And, and I also don't want to say, well, you know, I did it quietly, and so if the day comes when I decide that I want to sow disunity, I'll say, well, 
nobody knew I committed to it, and so I'm all right. But this is from the heart of the Lord, is it not? And this is from the heart of this church, which is very simply this. I commit to be and to do all I can to promote unity in this church and my greater community. And you know, you might say, well, that's what I already do. And I say, praise the Lord. Then you just rephrase it and you say, I continue to commit or I commit to continue. I remember once saying, giving an offer and a pledge and say, would you pledge to pray? And somebody came out to me at the door on the way out and said, I don't need to pledge to pray. I already pray enough. I thought, all right, I'm so sorry I offended you. <laughs> wow. And so if you're already committed to unity, then praise the Lord, because I believe that you are. And, and will you agree with, about this with me? I want let, Let's go to prayer. I want to invite the musicians up. And while that, that remains on the screen, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that we've had over these weeks to, to focus on the importance of healthy community. Lord, we want, we want God-honoring, spirit-led, healthy community. Lord, thank you for the reminders to pray together, to pray for one another. For the reminders, Lord, to spur one another on. For the reminder to forgive and seek forgiveness. And how closely tied that is to being at harmony with one another, to being at peace with one another, to being united with one another. And Lord, we recognize that the beautiful and amazing diversity that you have made within your church and how rich that is to make the church all that you've desired it to be. Praise your name. And Lord, in our diversity, help us, Lord, to identify those essentials that must not be deviated from. And then, Lord, to be gracious with the non-essentials and to have your charity and your love in all things and to be committed to the unity in the spirit not a unity of the flesh but Lord I, I, I want to commit and, and I, I don't want to be to be arrogant to say well of course I do but Lord I want to I want to continue to renew Lord and I want to commit and say I commit to be and to do all I can to promote unity in this church as a testimony because people will look at the church and say how they love one another. And Lord, I continue to pray that as people enter into this very building, as they enter into our homes, as they enter into our very presence, that there would be, there would be, even when they would go, whoa, I felt something. There's something different because the Spirit of the Lord is resident. Because the Spirit of the Lord isn't just present, but He is inhabiting. And He is dwelling. And He is filling to overflowing so that 
so that he's, he's uncontainable. And that Lord, like in the early church, people would see the early church and they would say, they would know who we are by our love for one another. that we would we would truly be living out that commandment to love one another that new commandment to love one another as you Lord Jesus have loved us oh Lord continue to do that we pray Holy Spirit continue to flow we pray I just want to invite you to give a few seconds of silence as you would before the Lord however you would do it however you would say it that you would offer this commitment to him be all you can, to be and to do all you can, to promote and to thrive and to enjoy unity in this church and in the greater community. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name, Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Jesus, I know it pains your heart when you see broken people and you see broken relationships because you have the heart of the shepherd who desires to mend and to make whole and to heal and to free. And so, Lord, as we gather now, as we stand to sing, as we as we join our voices united, oh, Lord, may your spirit of unity prevail and we speak against the enemy in the name of Jesus against any spirit of disunity or confusion or destruction or fear or pride or unforgiveness or bitterness selfishness whatever may stand in the way of our being pliable in the hands of you, Lord, to be ministers of unity and ministers of reconciliation. May God bless you as you live out that commitment to unity. And if there's anything that you need prayer about, please, this altar is here for that. You come forward and you bring it to the Lord and we will be happy to pray with you. Whatever it may be, please don't hold back if he is calling you. That you just need to to come before him. In that way, oh Lord, you are so good. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.